0: This is a house that Jack built Billion... you
1: I bless that woman every time I uh, listen to the house that Jack built. Um, it was an electrifying, positive um, blast of encouragement when it first came out, and. Uh, That fence that Jack built, that love that Jack built, that man that Jack was, um, that open concession and admission and complete lack of pride on the part of the great singer Aretha Franklin. That song has something important to communicate, and I'd like to talk today, very briefly, and without any hopefully this is a, a this will be an art if it's given if it's given to me to do hopefully without any kind of um animus it's bound to be there but without animus about the question of um gender differentiation and the promise of the current mood and also the um rather sobering implications also of the present mood for one half of the human race i was saying to myself today do you really have anything else to say i had been in england recently and an old friend had read pz's panopticon and this chap is a very seasoned pro in decades of uh, service in ministry in the church of england and beyond it and um he said something so touching, he said, "Well, you know, after I read uh, your book, I sort of thought to myself, well, in a way um i don't th- there's nothing more to be said on the subject in other words you've you've covered it he said i was i was first I was surprised and then I was flattered, and then I was kind of rolled over you know, rolled over that song by Eric Clapton and uh, Derek and the Dominoes, rolled it over. I was sort of rolled over when he said, in a way he said um I don't really need to read another book and you don't need to write another book. You've said everything you have to say right here. And I took it as a high kind of uh, endorsement and credit, but at the same time I said, my gosh, you know. In a way, is there, after writing about near death and death uh, and uh, composing that viaticum at the end, um, is there anything I'm really interested in talking about? And the answer that I received from bouncing back off the satellites to, quote, The wonderful B-52s was nothing. That is to say, nothing at least on this theme. So I came back and I've been thinking over... Various readings, various uh, thoughts, various feelings and emotions I've having. Samantha sang, and I've been saying to myself, "Well, what do you? What are you still interested in?" And one thing that I think is really quite interesting, because I see it happening as an historical fact right in front of my eyes, as as an observer and for many years a direct participant in, um, say, church life. I see a tremendous change occurring in uh, the. Uh, in the question of resistance in the parish ministry. Now, let me say what I think about that. I'm going to talk, what I mean by that, I'm going to talk a little bit today about gender difference and the promise of it in the sort of new um, phalanx of, uh, the new cohorts of ministers, which... uh, is uh, rapidly uh, taking place, at least in my own denomination, but in, in the other mainstream denominations. And I want to talk about it as a good thing, but I also want to um, point out that it has a kind of karmatic potential that needs to be accounted for uh, and that really Aretha uh, accounted for very broadly in the, uh, in the summer and spring of 1968 when that song came out. The house that Jack built, which is so such a positive song about a good man. This was a good man. This was a righteous man. This was not a jerk. This was not he was a man. He had love. He shared his love. He had a he had he had libido. Uh, but he was not a um, he was not a a, a, a a walking over someone. There's something very respectful. Respecting in the song. I mean, after all, she sang R-E-S-P-E-C-T, and here she turns the tables and she respects a good man. Is such a thing possible? Well, I'm not sure in the ministry. Let me say what I mean. What's happening? For years um, in the church, there's been talk about the glass ceiling for women when it came to rectorships. In particular, rectorships of what used to be called prominent parishes, and now might be called major parishes, or large parishes, or influential parishes, or well-known parishes, or simply big parishes. And, um... This, uh, this glass ceiling is, at this point, as I record this, uh, really being broken through by many uh, women of outstanding gifts. Uh, I could list them, and I don't want to get into details. But if you follow uh, current church appointments, and this does not just mean uh, the Episcopal Church. I'm talking about the Presbyterian Church and the, uh, the, the more liberal Baptist uh, churches and um, a number of other uh, denominations, but especially my own. Very gifted and well-prepared women are uh, taking um, the helm of large responsibilities. And um, by the way, I've discovered something that was uh, I never knew uh, recently. I'd written this book a long while back in 1981 or something like that called Five, English, uh, Five Women of the English Reformation, and I've sort of forgotten about it. I, I loved writing it, especially the chapter uh, concerning Lady Jane Grey, and I still swear by her, but nevertheless, um, I'd sort of forgotten about that book, and someone came to me recently and said, you know, there's sort of a cottage industry around your book. I said, what in the world? I, I thought that person meant the woman who was talking to me was referring to another book, and she said, no, no. She said, many, many people like that book, women, obviously, in particular, get a, get, like that book. That book has really struck a Nerve with many <clears throat> women, both religious women and women who are interested in history because of the tutors and, and so I went on the internet and, uh, to investigate this assertion, Moy oh boy was it what a, what a happy surprise that book seems to have to have carried a little bit of voice. Um, but this movement uh, that one can see and I've been really involved since a child, but all my professional life in human resources in churches, and uh, there is absolutely no question there's a tremendous alteration occurring. And the, uh, the women that are um, being called to these, um, there, many of them have suffered. I mean they're not what they were in the 1950s uh, like most churches or many churches. But they are nonetheless have beautiful buildings and large budgets and often significant endowments and great potential. And sometimes really very engaged and uh, concerned congregations. And they are calling very well-prepared, uh, thoughtful women. And uh, this is, uh, the, in a way, it's interesting because um, the men that are being uh, coming forward from ministry in many places are sort of, uh, I don't know, they're a little bit sort of dweebish. I mean, it, it, I wish it weren't so, but so many of the young men that I meet and I know and I find through my own children and through other associations are going into investment banking or governmental types of things or, or some academic, but very few talented young men with um, high degrees seem, there are exceptions, but for the most part, the men, the males that are coming forward for ordination are um, sort of make you kind of go, ooh, you know, I mean, I, that's all I'll say, but the women that I meet who are coming forward are very often extremely articulate and have very advanced, terrific degrees from terrific colleges and universities and seminaries and um, are writing books and already doing demens at age 40. And they're really racking it up. And no wonder that these gifted women are being called to strong uh, human situations. Now, I feel for them. And I, my point is not entirely positive here, or at least I hope you might say it's a little nuanced because um, this is a change. And um, I would say even in the meetings that I have, and I'm out of it now, but I do continue to follow it through others and... uh I often find that the women clergy I meet are simply more impressive for the most part. Now, um, that's in the mainstream, and that would not be true, I'm sure, in other perhaps more conservative uh, denominations. I don't know, but I do, uh, there's a real, these are outstanding people. For whatever reason, there are still outstanding uh, females, uh, persons who are female coming forward for ministry, less so among the men, for whatever reasons. I can't deny that. I mean, I don't know about that, but this is my my point. That being the case, I think there's a and a con um, and I'm actually interested in this because I'm enormously interested in gender differences someone said you know why do you like these someone I know very well said why do you like all these completely forgotten writers I mean whether it's Robert Nathan or whether it's Sloane Wilson or whether it's um, uh, um, golly uh, all the people I talk about on this podcast um, even some of the later Galsworthies and Inges later novels and, uh, and so forth and uh, I realized that one of the reasons, uh, cousins, obviously, that I enjoy these novelists is because they often tell the truth about men and women in ways that a lot of contemporary thinking in my view tends to gloss over Uh, there is just a tendency among these writers of an earlier day not to be mean spirited, these are writers often have, uh, they were, uh, had all sorts of reasons to speak uh, very uh, warmly of uh, women and men quay being women and quay being men but there is a kind of realistic picture of, of of gender distinctives that seems to me to ring true to life in a way that some of the way it's approached today which tends to want to um, not see those things could make a mistake because they're simply there in my opinion. They don't have to be there in a negative, in a bad way. It's the house that Jack built. You know, He was a good man. Um, But uh, to gloss them over completely or speak as if they aren't there is perhaps to tempt reality, to kick back at you and I want to talk about that now. Now the great uh, interesting thing that I think is going to come out of um, of uh, the ascent of uh, women leaders into parishes and church institutions. And it's a real fact, in my view. Uh, some could say there's not enough of it. Well, it's happening, though. It's actually happening. Um, something that many, many women... And other people wanted to happen and complained was not happening, actually is happening. And it's sort of happening like rapidly. Now, um, if you believe what I'm saying, the great plus for having women in leadership, that is to say as senior ministers, senior pastors, or in rectors, cathedral deans, and bishops, is that for some reason or another in practice – uh, rectors and leaders who are women seem to inspire or uh, engender less resistance, less purely human resistance. I don't quite know how to say that in a way that is going to be right. But um, having been in this myself, and I've worked with many women uh, as colleagues and watched them and uh on all sides of the aisle in the church. And I've watched myself, who inspires resistance. I just seem to have, at least in many situations, uh, exercised a being, a power of being, put that again neutrally, power simply as a as an impact that um, got uh, people going uh, and sometimes would inspire tremendous resistance. It wasn't really the ideas, I, looking back on it now. As simply me. I would inspire resistance. Uh, I would, because I had a strong idea about this or a strong opinion about that or a degree of reactivity in my persona based upon my own psyche, I would inspire, engender, incite the inequal and opposite reaction. Usually it was among men the reaction would be very, very strongly among sort of equally reactive men who inevitably become the, what are co- commonly called today clergy killers. These It can be a woman, of course, but in my experience, it tended to be a very strong man who sort of just didn't like whatever I, he, he felt that I was, and bang! And that resistance, which I'm not very good at handling once it comes, I seem to inspire it. Now, a number of the women that I know who are getting big jobs, I talk to their parishioners, and they're very happy because, that is to say the parishioners, because they it's just not the parish is more at peace with itself uh, it 's the parishes i can 't explain it i 'm l- letting you you can explain it but um, there 's just less conflict in pastorally and i 'm sure there are instances of 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 resistance i mean i matter of fact, I can name a few also, <laughs> but as a whole. The parishes that I know that have uh, women at the helm who are the executives in charge, the professional uh, senior minister or rector or dean or bishop, are more at peace with themselves, have less division, and it's a tremendously good thing. I often say to myself, you know, I hope – it's time. There has been so much trouble in the church caused by sort of men like me who just by definition or by being or just the very person that we are, we cannot almost help. We came into the world this way or we were fashioned this way. We create and inspire Reactivity in others against us, and then we counterreact. You know, it's called transference, counterreact, transference. It, 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 it goes both ways, and it's a terrible thing, and it, it causes great sickness and stress and growing white hairs in uh, the people like myself who inspire it. And also, it just uh, grows conflict. And uh, in fact, I'm as, a little less red blooded than a number of my peers who really inspire uh, for some reason. I mean, uh, I Once I inspire an ideological resistance, I always try to backtrack, and usually that softens it a little bit. Or I hire people with me who are quieter spirits, male or female, uh, to ha- have in the past, not currently have in the past. Hired someone who sort of takes the edge off. I- I'm a great believer in, in that, um, in colleagues who are have a quieter heart, and this is great. But I say to myself, you know, what if a church that I was in that had um, – you know, grew and did well, but nevertheless, I always inspired <clears throat> at least one person in on the vestry, I used to call it the theology of the difficult person, to come at me and cause every Thursday, monthly Thursdays at vestry meetings to be just hell. I say to myself, well, well what? I, I, I doubt if these women are having quite that experience. Now let them speak for themselves, but I have talked to a few and while they still have the financial problems, all the problems and the problems of growth and the problems of building a congregation and how do you pastor a congregation and chaplain a congregation and help people's hurts and needs, but also grow a congregation and invite new life and new people and new participants and new outsiders and secular people to dip their toe in the waters. That's a tremendous job, but um, I really say to myself often as I, I very much hope that America has a female president very soon. Uh, Quay, a female president, uh, an outstanding, and there are many who would be wonderful, because I say to myself, well, maybe we'll inspire less conflict. What what if Israel had a female um, uh, leader, uh, prime minister or president? Uh, uh, What if uh, another... uh, uh, Russia, what if – so what if any number of – as there are and I mean I think of all sorts of women who are in leadership. And I say to myself, you know, wouldn't it be great if America with its drones has a – maybe not Maggie Thatcher, but someone who's not going to quite inspire – this, an equal opposite reaction. Wouldn't that be terrific? And so in the church, it's a great thing. Now, I'm going to finish by simply saying, the uh, problem with it, it does, however, have a Kehrseite. You know, in auf Deutsch, you have a Seite, one si- the side of a thing, and then you have the reverse, which is in uh, German is called die Kehr, die Kehrseite, K-E-H-R-S-E-I-T-E. And die Kehrseite used to say that the Kehrseite of the Western Consumerism or Western economic success was uh, what, for whatever the right word is, third world, two-thirds world, poverty. Uh, the the opposite of the success of one person is the defeat of somebody else, and that's often, very often true. Well, the only problem with the remarkable change in leadership on in terms of gender in uh, the churches, I see it and I observe it which I think um, has great potential to lessen conflict. I mean, all the colleagues, everybody in the church wars, the church culture wars. There were exceptions. There were women involved, but the vast majority were sort of fighting males. Uh, And and that's, I speak for myself, and this is a, we really can benefit from a change in the weather here, a very serious change. The uh, negative, however, which we have to simply bear in mind, is what about the other 50% of the human race who can't quite make the transition? I mean, yes, we can make the transition. We have to make the transition. We can learn from it and be blessed from it, but can, what about the men who aren't going to get these jobs because uh, once the parish has a uh, a rector who does not inspire conflict and does not uh, is not kind of a tender box i mean uh, uh, someone who's more able somehow to, you know like john steinbeck said at the end of the grapes of wrath uh, someone who's able to sort of more deftly and without as much inner stress bounce a lot of balls in the air and you know do many things at once and not be quite as uh, alpha beta you know and not be quite as strongly programmatic and angular as many men are um, especially you know when you're in an ideological field like religion what what, what about those those people I mean, what's going to happen to them? Are are they going to all want to go to West Point? I mean, are they all going to want to um, become – that's not open. That's 50-50 now. Uh, What what are they going to do? Where's Jack who built the house that Aretha Franklin talks about? Where where are they going to end up? What's going to happen to them? And that, I think, is the great question. You can't sort of – well, let's have a commission of those people who are in charge to sort of decide what are we going to do about this 50 percent problem. We have, you know, it's not really a minority. It's really a, it's really 47 percent of the population, or whatever the evolutionary percentages are, to account for wartime and so forth. What is the adaptation percentage of men and of those men? A number of them, of course, will be pussycats, but a large number are pretty well rooted in their resistance engendering testosterone type um, kind of. Angry persona. I mean, anger, anger, anger. I mean, it's a male vice. Anger, 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 video games and anger. I, know, I noticed even in a terrible tragedy that happened in Korea recently, the children who were killed, a, a number of the jokes that came out of their terribly upsetting um, communications before they died on their iPhones uh, had to do with video games. Uh, the boys were all talking about video games, and I said to myself, "You know, this is this is this is you live in your head and you live violently. Uh, you retreat into a violent fantasy. It's just normal for quote normal. It shouldn't be, but what are those uh, guys going to do? You have sons, you know, you have brothers, you have uh, nephews, and you have uncles and fathers, but especially young boys." What are they going to do? What? 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 How are they going to make this adaptation? And that is where, it seems to me, um, we uh, have to consider the uh, the future. There, I was going to play. So, what have I said? I've said that uh, the advance of women into positions of uh, of a particular uh, uh, personal and uh, Completely successful uh, leadership in, say, church institutions, which is actually happening, is a very good thing and probably will prevent the degree of conflict that I've lived all my life uh, observing and in some ways, sadly, taking part in in the church. It's a very good thing. What will happen to the angry young men, you know, <laughs> 12 angry men, um, the angry young men of the, uh, you know, the school of thought in the uh, John Osborne and uh, Alan Silito in England what's going to happen to those people uh, what, what What? I uh, that's something to think about and um, that I think is the homework that gender difference which I believe exists to a later, lesser greater degree we can argue about percentages of course but I believe it is still a factor evolutionarily and biologically in the human creation what um, what about uh These poor fellas, how are they going to adapt to a new life, learn from, and yet also be able to exist as the persons that they are, accepted and beloved and held, and even really cherished, and yet not be uh, necessarily what the world might wish them to be? That is the question, and so I conclude with uh, Leslie Gore. Now, Leslie Gore is a very interesting uh, person to write about and think about, and this is not about Leslie Gore. There is a lot to say about Leslie Gore, but let me say this. Some of her finest recordings, uh, at least one of them, (laughs) is in German, and she did a recording of – you can uh, YouTube or Go on iTunes and get the uh, English version of it. But we uh, conclude this uh, podcast, which is uh, number 166, with an inspired song, early period uh, Leslie Gore. There's really only early and mid to Leslie Gore's remarkable voice and uh, output of top 10 songs, top 20. Um, And we uh, conclude the podcast with her German version of That's the Way Boys Are. Thank you very much.